great to be here. Thank you so much for your welcome. I bring greetings from my wife, Bernadette, who couldn't make it this morning, but uh, she's thinking of us. Um, so, yeah, apologies from her. Uh, thank you, worship team. Can we give them appreciation? Well done, guys. So, I uh, just wonder if, as we begin, I could tell you a little story about my favorite photo. Right, I didn't have the forethought to actually take a photo of it so it's on the screen. So I want to explain it to you. <laughs> so maybe you'd find that a bit easier if you close your eyes. So I give you permission just to close your eyes for a moment. It's a photo of two students on a school camp, like it's a camping camp where you have to take everything with you. Right, so they're carrying their backpacks, pretty big backpacks, they've got a sleeping bag as well. They're walking up a hill and each of them has the handle of a bigger backpack, which contains lots of camping gear and stoves and food for their camping trip. And they're sharing the load there. That's the photo. So just open up your eyes if you've got your eyes closed. It's one of my favorite photos because I think it demonstrates to me one of my favorite images of community in the Bible and that picture of the body of Christ, where we each bring our own responsibilities. Perhaps we have, you know, we bring in our own baggage with us. <laughs> um, and at the same time, we're sharing this amazing sacred thing called the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, you've read it, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And Paul, in the book of Romans, goes even further and says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each, each member belongs to all the others. Or in the Amplified, each member belongs to all the other parts, parts one of another. Mutually dependent. <laughs> we are not our own. <laughs> And I wonder if we can just pause on this concept for the, for, the, our, um, for the start of this this morning. It's a profound reminder to me in my quest for independence and security, pride and proving myself and becoming a man who can handle himself. You know, I think our culture is subtly pushing us more and more away from each other. And the scriptural model, though, is the other way around, toward each other. And not just toward each other, but part of each other. And in that, sound, in that sense, even this background slide <laughs> is not accurate. I know. See that picture of, you know, that picture of Christ as the head of the church and us as the body, like we're all standing side by side. <laughs> not totally accurate. Because we are part of one another. I don't, I don't know how we draw that, but. Next time, part two, I'll figure something out. <laughs> In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, his first point is, we don't form Christian community, we join it. Right? So again, that was a revelation for me, a big reminder. Like, I thought it was up to me. We don't form community, we join it. The community in Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, we, with a group of others, we probably wouldn't choose, 
if the choice was ours, right? Uh, begin this transformative journey together to become Christ in the flesh. Which raises the question for me, well, what happens when you have a falling out with someone? We don't agree with everyone all the time. We're not recognized for who we are or what we've got or what we can bring. Do we just go up, like, pull up stumps and move to the next church? Well, by definition, it's the same place. The body of Christ. So, uh, this morning I'm going to just jump to 1 Thessalonians 4, two verses, verse 9 and 10. This is what I think God is calling us to consider today. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. And we see this record of when he visited in Acts 17. His second missionary journey has just been imprisoned with Silas in Philippi. And the next major stop was Thessalonica, which was formerly the metropolis of Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece. Paul had preached and seen conversions there, but also, if you remember, there was a riot, (laughs) turmoil, and trouble, and they had to leave secretly at night. Timothy was also on the trip, and though separated for a time, the beginning of the letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, three greats. It's thought to be the first of Paul's letters to the churches, somewhere between 30 and 51 AD, which means, what, 20 or 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So here it is. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. You know, Paul's reinforcing the fame of the Thessalonian church for its love and faith particularly in the midst of persecution, in the beginning of, of the book as well. And it's here again in chapter 4. <laughs> and and you know, as I was reading this, I, and I, as I get to know many of us, uh, I haven't been here all that regularly, but um, I know some of you, I'm greatly encouraged by your stories, by your maturity and heart for faith and your humility and generosity and wisdom and grace and most of all, love for each other. I remember people telling me all sorts of stories about meeting here together or asking someone if they want to go for a bike ride together. You know, just simple things like that, which reminded me, I must admit, I compared, when I read this passage, I thought of us, the Merge Church. The reputation of its people as people in the community and your love for each other is out there. And Paul here calls for more and more. In other places, he calls it abounding in good works, excess or overflowing in good things. So, this is the question, and hence the title today more and more love in the body of Christ. So, yes, us as the church, not, not a building. You and I as redeemed flesh, humans, flesh and blood, a glimpse of heaven on earth, 
small working models of restored life, living and flourishing through happy times and sometimes painful years. With we, it's us, with the new identity, identity as a person and corporately as the church, not including denominations. <laughs> I don't know, when, when first Paul first wrote this, he wasn't thinking Pentecostal, Lutheran, Baptist. He was thinking church, the body. We, with the new purpose, before our interest was mostly inward and self-consumed, mirror-looking, but now a new inward, yes, to self, but also outward to others and upward to God. If that's not enough, <laughs> we've got 2,000 years of New Testament, New Testament history and momentum behind us. The Old Testament before that, we have even more access to Bible ministry education than ever before. And we live in a time of both challenge and privilege that has yet to be seen in history. We have a plan. Christ, the cornerstone and head of the church, servant leaders edifying the body, everyone doing their part and finding their place and making disciples. We have building materials, grace, the word, Trinity God, spiritual gifts, natural talents, personality, and each other, the wider body. So, I just want to be really practical this morning and say, what does it look like exactly to love more and more in our time and in our place, 21st century, day-to-day life in Redcliffe? What does that look like? Is it more and more, is Paul asking us for more and more character? Like to grow up, well, you know, flee youthful lusts, Paul, yeah, Paul tells Timothy. Is it, is he mean more and more as in quantity of activity? Or does he mean more and more influence, like distance, like our missions footprint? Probably. So maybe I can, I don't have any quick answers. <laughs> so here's a couple of practical thoughts to start us off. Is this okay? I can hear some of your thinking though, like I Chris, you know that, like, I get up at 6.30. I heard to leave for work at 6.30, right? And I'm not home again until 6. I've got three kids and a wife, and we've got, you know, kids going everywhere with dancing and sport. And You're asking me to do more and more? Or, Chris, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm, I'm getting older. I'm not as mobile as I used to be. I can't just go out any time I want to and visit. Is, are you asking me to do more and more? As I said, I don't, I don't think there's an easy answer here, right? But can we just sit with it for a couple of minutes and, and let the weight of responsibility stay with us? Because this is what God's calling us, to be the body of Christ. How do we do that? Especially if love is spelt T-I-M-E. This is our journey. This is the responsibility that's been laid at our feet to work out our discipleship. 
in modern times. So step one. This isn't up there. Step one, more and more in the body of Christ, start on your knees. Prayer and Bible. Yes, but also reverently as a human. How, how is your life as a whole going? Spiritual? Of course. But family, friendships, how's your emotional state? How is your finances going? Your career, your leisure, your rest time, how is the sum of all the parts? Start on your knees. That's the engine room. Step two, more and more in the body of Christ. Step two, start at home. Start with your spouse, your kids or your grandkids or nieces or nephews. uh, Please tell me, in the marriage garden, if you're married in this house this morning, please tell me at least you know your spouse's love language and you're speaking it. (laughs) Step two, start at home. So the next five points are just basics. I reckon just be listening and sensing this Holy Spirit ministering to us this morning through His Word. Maybe there's one thing He's just giving you a nudge about. Yeah, yeah, that's you. (laughs) And the good news here is that this love of His that Paul is talking about is not just a command for us to love, but it's also a gift. God gifts us His love. Good news. Number one, connect. How do we increase our love more and more in the body of Christ? Number one, connect. Now, I'd say, are you in a life group? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm on the pastoral team, connections team. I've got to say that. Because <laughs> from, you know, from, from Yongi Cho in, in Korea to modern psycholan- psychological and neuroscience research, connection helps us live longer and feel better. It's the hidden gem of people where, you know, I was visiting a, home, a life group not so long ago, and one of the, the people in the, the life group said, look, I found a new family here when, when I moved to Brisbane, when I joined this life group. It's like she came home, found a new group of people that she could be herself with. You know, you've seen the teaching, Pastor Mark and Nina, in their life group teaching series about connection, the first one that we talked about, one of the values of Emerge Church. So many connection points happening. Men's, got a men's conference coming up in in May. Oh man, excuse the pun. Man, you got to be there. (laughs) You got a youth group, you got young ads, you got young families, you got play group, we got arts and crafts, we got know your Bible, we coffee catch ups. We did a, uh, (laughs) one of the new blokes that I went and visited. A couple of weeks ago, he said to me, oh, I noticed that there's lots of cafe connects for the ladies in the church. What about us guys? Because he's not working during the day at the moment. I said, hmm, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> so last Friday, we organized just to, to do lunch in another bloke's mechanic shop. He said, yeah, let's have a few guys just go have lunch together. We just spent an hour together. We had lunch and we said, uh, let's talk about courage <laughs> as men. And we got to share some of our own stories. 
is great. We even have some cert for ministry training happening. Oh, it's great. Connect. I'm going to just read some quotes here because it says it better than me. Paul Tripp. I need corporate worship. I need to be reminded of the truths of the gospel in that worship. I need something else, though, as well. I need to hear my brothers and sisters sing the gospel into my ears. I need my dull heart awakened by their voices again. Shane Willard. Nothing skews our view of reality like loneliness. I'm going to read you a quote from uh, Eugene Peterson's book. It'll come to me. <laughs> I want you to guess which decade you think this was written, this book. All right? We seek a private house, a private means of transportation and private garden, a private laundry, self-service stores and do-it-yourself skills of every kind. We seek more and more privacy and more, feel more alienated and lonely when we get it. We less and less often meet our fellow humans to share and exchange and more and more often encounter them as an impediment or a nuisance making the highway crowded when we are rushing somewhere, cluttering and littering the beach, pushing in front of us at the supermarket, taking the last parking space. Because we have cut off so much communication with each other, we keep bumping into each other and therefore have a higher and higher percentage of our interpersonal contacts as abrasive." End quote. 1970, before it's time. So I want to ask us, just on that point, what is stopping us from connecting regularly? Number two, greet people. Now, this, is, this is like play school really, isn't it? Like, I'm sure you're doing this. But the Scripture's asking more and more. Can we do this more? I want to say specific encouragements for us when we come to meet, especially for worship. I think we're pretty good at it, but I want to bold it. Because <laughs> greeting sets up a friendly mood and a safe place. Like, just say hello to people. Dare, dare I say it? Like, come to worship early. And instead of just sitting in your place, have a look around. Hey, and get up out of your chair <laughs> and go over and have a chat with someone. Because smiling is this wordless greeting. It's powerful. Or the simple eyebrow flash. You know the... That was to this side. Is there any, are we online? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're like when you're just walking, you know, to the shops or out in the street, uh, whether you just have this kind of neutral expression. I've been giving it a, a road test. Like I'm walking through the shops. Instead of just being neutral, just smiling and trying to get people's eye. Some people think I'm weird. 
what is that guy? What, what just happened? Like, others actually engage, smile back or nod. So, is there someone you could say hello to who's sitting on their own, especially when we come together? Uh, or is, is there someone you could text during the week if you, you know what's going on in their life because you're in their life group? And if you're not in a life group, who's one person you could text and say, hey, just thinking of you, how's it going, what's happening? Greet people. Number three, hospitality. Woo, who does not like to eat? We had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago now to provide an afternoon tea for Bray Park State School, which is not so far from the Warner location. We had some word that the start of the term was going pretty tough and teachers were really feeling the weight of that. And so we got together with uh, Rivers Baptist. They did the coffee, we did the food. And um, the teachers came together and the food was just the catalyst for connecting and greeting each other. Because when they came out of their classrooms and said, oh yeah, oh, wow, how are you going? Yeah, oh man, it's been tough. Yeah, me too. There was something in that shared experience in that conversation that, you know, didn't make it any easier in some senses, but it was, it was more bearable. It was a great privilege. that uh, There's something about food and a dining room or a lounge room or a barbecue area or a picnic table that disarms people. That's why the great outdoors is so good for us. Uh, I had some neighbours who used to do Friday afternoon drinks on the lawn. I regret not going over, more than I did. You, uh, you might know a bit about this, but I learnt Shona culture in Zimbabwe and other southern African countries has a cultural phenomenon that says our relationships are not complete unless we partake of a meal together. There's a hole in our space, unless we're eating together. Food fills that hole. <laughs> we eat together and we become a family. Also in Asia, makan, makan means time to eat. <laughs> and it's not just a one-dish dinner, right? It's, there's food everywhere. We cannot gather and not have food, says this culture. And I, I must, when I learned that, I said, well, maybe for me, who's from a more white tradition, maybe I could learn to slow down and eat more purposefully like that. More communi community. There's a story somewhere about feeding 5,000. And... <laughs> one of our Australians, uh, an Australian author called Michael Frost uh, suggests this, the table ought to be the primary symbol of the Christian gathering. It represents hospitality, inclusivity, generosity and grace. Uh, so, as you're thinking, uh, I don't know, what's, where's your head at the moment? You're thinking, oh yeah, maybe I could invite someone for lunch today. <laughs> Unprepared, unplanned. So, we, I don't know, can I encourage you to do that? More spur of the moment. And if it's not today, set it up for next weekend. 
Most of us do that post-service lunch or dinner somehow. Maybe it's a great way to bring more people in. Okay. Number four, how are we going? Woo! Four out of five. Beg. It's a bit cryptic. Okay. <laughs> Paul is instructing us to do more and more. So beg stands for bless, encourage, give. And it's so obvious, I need to remind myself how important these things are. And they all blend together, so it's hard to define which, which is which. Whether it's our words, our actions, a glance, uh, surprises, thinking of people without them prompting you. <laughs> Going the extra mile, paying it forward at the cafe or the drive through encouraging your boss. Liking something on social media. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Talk to me about that one. Oh, simply laughing with someone when they make a good joke, you know. <laughs> That's encouraging. I, uh, I had a mate who uh, was going through some tough stuff in his family, so I just thought, okay, he doesn't live close, so I texted him. I said, Hey, just to honor you as a great man and a leader, because he was taking some leadership that he didn't need to take, or shouldn't have had to take. Taking responsibility where others didn't and shouldering burdens and leading conversations in such an emotional and difficult time as this, bless you. He, he told me later, yeah, that was just at the right moment. Thank you so much. So, begging... <laughs> takes us to each other and shifts us out of self-mode and into others' mode. Fifth, serve. <laughs> you know, scripturally, we're all on the host team and the service team, even if we don't have the T-shirt. Yeah? I don't know. Yeah, some people are looking at me like, funny. <laughs> what is he saying? <laughs> We have the roster for sure, but serving is our, all of us a job to do because our family is everywhere. <laughs> um, funnily enough, the, new, the research in neuroscience tells us how our brains, when we volunteer and give to others, responds to that. It lights up, lights us up. It's so good for us. Um, yeah, I, I was out riding recently riding on my bike and came to this section where the path was fenced on one side and there was this walker coming up that path on the other side and there was clearly not room for both of us on the path so I pulled out to the grass and exactly as I did that he stepped off the path onto the grass we kind of looked at each other <laughs> smiled I moved further he went back on the path so it was it was all right um, but it was it was just this great little moment where you know, serving says, you first. The other first says, no, you first. Are we okay? Is it all right? Okay, great. Because there's some more. Because <laughs> we, we need to talk about the elephant in the room, right? Something that comes up when we talk about increasing or expanding or going more and more. Maybe you've been in a business or a family where things have grown. To grow, something usually 
when we try to get bigger, something usually has to, and I find it really hard to pronounce this word, so I'm going to write it up. Something usually has to change. Oh, man. That's through the top. I'm sorry. Sorry. Let me just see if I can do it better. To grow and get bigger, sometimes you, something usually has to kahungi. I'm so sorry. I'll do better this time. Okay, Chris. To grow bigger and get better, something usually has to change. I don't know. We, I don't know as humans, do you find it hard to make lasting change stick? <laughs> I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us daily. And at the same time, we are urged to put it into practice when we learn something new. Remember, the wise and foolish builders, the wise one is the one who hears and puts them into practice. Something changes. And I'm going to mention a couple of what I'm calling reframes now, just as we consider what is your practice as Christians in the 21st century, day-to-day work and play and family. And this may just help us tell where our true values are because we know behavior, our practice, is the last part of the assembly line right in our brain. If we want to change behavior, we have to go into, back into the factory <laughs> and look at our values and our beliefs that we've formed over the years and ask some key questions to say, what, what, what are you behaving like that for? Maybe, maybe we need to get the crowbar in the factory and just <laughs> some of that old thinking out to get us changing. <laughs> Number one, could we shift from consumerism, me, to community, we? Consumer is about, like when we come to church, and it's, we, it's like we go shopping. I'll buy when I'm ready. I'll buy what I want, and when I want it, I'll do it my way, thanks. Consumer, consumerism is like when we hear things like, I just didn't think the worship was that good this morning. I don't know if I'll come back, you know. It's so easy to come to church. It, actually, even that phrase takes the onus off us. We, we are the church. I'm trying to change my language, so I, you'll hear me say, uh, when you came to worship this morning, or could you come, will I see you at worship on Sunday? Like, I, maybe it's splitting hairs, but we, we are the church. I'm trying to get myself into this new frame <laughs> of not so much being a consumer and, you know, oh, you know, we just got a paint job inside. That's that's good, you know. And sure, we need to be responsible and, and doing well as leaders to, to, to be current and modern and all those sort of things. But rather than you deliver me some goods model of buying and selling, we want a community model of I deliver myself to you. Let's share life together frame of the body of Christ. The moving from I want to be filled to 
I want to be a filler of others. Number two, could we shift from charisma to character? Could we shift from charisma to character? You know that the stage is not the only gauge. (laughs) That the tendency to compare ourselves to others and think we have to perform a certain way, dress in a particular fashion, say cool things, or post regularly, like regularly. Our wider culture is great at focusing the spotlight on celebrities and influencers, where the life of Jesus calls us to is quite personal. It leads us to questions like, what is really happening in the deep flow of my life? The things that I don't usually talk about with people. Who who are we when nobody is watching? What's happening below the waterline? So, look, please hear me. If you're a charismatic person, (laughs) this, this is not a slight. Like, that personality trait, we need you. That's a gift. We need charismatic people. But how can we as the body of Christ exhort each other to being stronger, that deeper, honest, dependable character. Thirdly, could we shift from being passive to being proactive? Because the gospel love implores us to be the first person to move from passive to proactive, for God so loved. God, God moved first. You know the gospel story <laughs> all the way through. God is moving first to love us and declare his love for us. He did something about our lostness and an inability to rescue ourselves. And this entire book of Thessalonians and the other letters were the result of Paul moving out with the gospel. He's the apostle to the Gentiles unheard of. Well, it was right through the Old Testament, but in many ways, it didn't happen. It's being, asking to be involved rather than waiting to ask, to be asked to be involved. For example, when we meet together, can you see yourself as the inviter? The inviter into a conversation or to morning tea or hey, come sit with us. That it is my job to help people feel belonging here. Could you start something? Could you invite a few people around? Common interests that you could share, whether it's fishing. Oh, that was silent. (laughs) Arts, craft, music. Kids, gaming, singing, hiking, camping. The question here is, what's stopping you from being proactive? Last one. Could we shift from being a talker to being a listener? Listening is a ministry, totally underestimated, I think. When we meet together, sure, say hello, but we are also growing an awareness of ourselves and our influence on a conversation. 
So today's tip, right? For free. Use open questions rather than closed questions. So closed questions are those which ask for a yes or no answer. So you might, we want to lean towards the open questions that allow people to feel free to think and answer as fully as they want to. So not, so you're going good? Yes or no answer. Worse, so you're going good? Yeah? Maybe we could say, so, how are you going? And they go, fine, thanks. And you go, hmm, so how are you really going? How can we be people who have the time and the space to listen to an answer when we say that? <laughs> Maybe, can I invite the band back up, please, to, as we finish? There's a story of uh, several centuries ago in a modern, sorry, in a mountain village in Europe. An aging Christian nobleman of some wealth wondered what legacy he should leave to the town. And he decided to build them a church. No one was permitted to see the plans or the inside of the church until it was finished. At, at its grand opening, they took all the, the masking away from the outside. The people gathered and marveled at the beauty of the new church. Everything had been thought of included, and included, and it was an absolute masterpiece, until someone said, wait a minute, where are the lamps? It's really quite dark in here. How will the church be lit? And the nobleman pointed to some brackets in the walls. And then he gave each family a lamp, which they were to bring with them each time they came to worship. Each time you are here, the nobleman said, the place where you are seated will be lit. And each time you are not here, the place will be dark. This is to remind you that whenever you fail to come to church, some part of God's house will be dark. So, your spot, your spot in the body of Christ is the shape of you. It's your outline. It's not about coming to church, but it is also about coming to church. Christ has saved you and your life to take your place amongst and in Him to love more and more. So, can I call you one more rung up the ladder this morning? More and more as we love each other in the body of Christ. Start at home. Start with prayer. Maybe there's some other really practical things you could do. Meeting, connecting, hospitality, begging. <laughs> Or maybe there's some value shifts that you recognize, oh man, yeah, I'm not so proactive. I'm always waiting for people to come and say hello to me. I, I want to release you this morning to say your role, freedom, to go and say hello to someone else you haven't met. That's your role. That's our role together. So the good news, in the second letter to Thessalonians, Paul 
in the third verse, the very third verse, just as he starts, he affirms that indeed God in his grace and the people in their perseverance have continued to grow. This is what he says. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. There it is in the second letter. How good is that? More and more, and the love of all of you have for one another is increasing. Let this be said of us as we meet, as we meet together, as we go. That beautiful sacred rhythm, coming into worship, going out to mission. Come to worship, go out to mission. Let that be said more and more of us. Let's pray together. We're going to do this in a somewhat different way this morning. (laughs) Can I ask you, can I invite you to stand? And I wonder if symbolically, to, to try and remind us that we are the body, just in our row, I wonder if, don't do it yet, whether we could link arms just for a minute as I pray. So just... Just hold on. If you're, if, you're, if you're uncomfortable with that or that's not working, then that's, that's fine. But if we could link arms and then maybe not across the road, maybe just the people on each row can just extend their arm to say there are more people coming into the body. <laughs> so could we do that? Let's take a moment to do that and I'll pray. Link arms. Lord, we ask you, please, by your spirit, Grow in us, grow us stronger, grow us more like Jesus. Form us to his character, to his love, to his patience and to his passion. Father, we pray symbolically, we say, here we are, Lord. Draw us more and more to each other and draw, and, draw us more and more out of us for each other and the world. Father, you call us together to be part of each other and to be dependent on each other. Please help us when our hearts are hard. Soften us, increase your love in us, help us change that we would see your church emerge humbly, lovingly and purposefully. Bless the person on our left, bless the person on our right, the person in front of us, the person from behind. We say, here we are, and we commit ourselves to following you again, again, and again.